The Infernal Bodyguard Written by Santalatron Read by Literarian Chapter 25 Happily Ever After Part 1 The low burble of a classic engine caught Crowley's attention as they ambled back down the lane towards the pub. He and Alistair were wandering slowly back, Crowley swinging the picnic basket in one hand and clasping Alistair's in the other. The Bentley got to the pub slightly ahead of them and Pepper stopped, got out and leaned against the car to watch the two men approach. Pepper was overjoyed to see the two of them walking hand in hand and she took a quick photo to send to the others. Crowley was looking a bit different with longer hair, softer and more relaxed, although that could just be because he wasn't trying to hold back anymore. His hair was just brushing his shoulders, the soft curls swaying as he walked. The ridiculous sunglasses were still firmly in place, meaning it was impossible to tell exactly where he was looking. As they drew closer, Crowley raised his head in her direction. Well, hello gorgeous, I've missed you, Crowley crooned, raising Pepper's eyebrows. I missed you too, I guess. She responded, entirely unprepared for whatever that was. I was talking to the Bentley, but I suppose I missed you as well, little Valkyrie. Crowley grinned. Pepper laughed. <laughs> oh, fuck off, you ass! Now, I am going to do this the once and I will absolutely deny it if you ever bring it up. She said sternly as she advanced on Crowley. She threw her arms around him in a tight hug. Thank you for saving Alistair and I'm glad you didn't die in the process, she said quietly, her face pressed into his chest. Crowley let go of Alistair and hugged her back with one arm, resting his chin on her head before she pulled away, blinking at whatever had got into her eyes. Pesky dust, she sniffed. Everyone says hi, by the way, except Newt. He's possibly even more terrified of you, although I have no idea why. They both grinned, and Pepper turned to Alistair. Right, what's the plan? We have to be back by tomorrow for that book thingy or incur the wrath of Michael and I'm under strict instructions to bring this one if I ever want Tracy's pancakes again, she said, gesturing at Crowley. Alistair turned to look at Crowley with a worried expression. Oh, blast, I completely forgot. Well, it's your decision, dear. I know everyone would love to see you, but I appreciate this is all rather fast, he said, hands returning to worrying each other in front of his torso. Crowley wasn't used to the idea of people wanting just his company. It was a novel concept and he couldn't think too hard about it in front of Pepper or he'd never hear the end of it. 
he tried to remember what he had originally planned for the next few days and decided it probably wasn't that important. Well, can't deprive Pepper of pancakes now, can I? Not a monster. Crowley scoffed, taking Alistair's hand again, and Alistair positively glowed. Yes, it may be all very fast, but Crowley liked fast. It left less time for worrying about the small stuff. While Crowley threw some clothes in a bag, Pepper played with Dog in the pub garden. She could see Paxton watching her from the doorway, hands in his pockets and frowning slightly. She threw Dog's ball toward the pub and wandered over. Sorry for stealing him away like this, she said to Paxton. But everyone's missed him. Paxton shrugged. He's a grown man. He's always gone wherever he pleases. Pepper looked out towards the valley. Alistair mentioned you've known Crowley a long time, she said as she threw Dog's ball to the other end of the garden again. Paxton crossed his arms over his chest as he watched Dog racing down the garden after the ball, weaving in and out of the picnic table legs. Watched him grow up. He's a good lad, deep down, as much as he does to try and hide it. Never seen him in such a mess as when he came out of that hospital, though. Took him a long time to get back on his feet. That idiot is the closest thing I've got to a son, so you can understand if I'm not overly keen to see him like that again. Pepper frowned. They didn't tell you, did they? She said. Paxton's expression didn't change, and Pepper gave a groan of exasperation. Oh, for fuck's sake, these two are so fucking useless at communicating. Right, the short version is, Alistair never dumped him. That twat Gabriel lied to everyone to separate them, but we only discovered this, like, last week. Pretty obvious it's a lie now, but we didn't know any better at the time. Anyway, soon as the lies unraveled, Alistair tracked Crowley down on the off chance that Crowley doesn't actually hate him. Which, evidently, he doesn't. It'd take a major fuck-up to come between these two now, and frankly, we wouldn't allow it. They're too damn cute together. Paxton thought it over. So, you're saying they've both spent a year wanting the same thing, but thinking the other one didn't? he said flatly. Yep. Paxton put his hands on his hips and sighed heavily just as Alistair and Crowley appeared behind him. He turned to see them hand in hand again and gazing at each other. Whatever he'd thought of Alistair before, there was no mistaking the look on his face. And to think he put up with all those months of Crowley's mischief... Alistair looked around from where he was making gooey eyes at Crowley to see Paxton with his hand held out towards him. He put his back down and took it, hoping that the slight crush as he shook it was nothing more than Paxton being used to hauling kegs around. Well, Alistair, I hope you know what you've got yourself into. Now get him out of here before the regulars turn up. 
Your little display yesterday did not go unnoticed, and neither did your absence from the bar last night. So unless you want hours of terrible jokes and inappropriate questions, I suggest you get going. Alistair blushed as Paxton dropped his hand and turned to Crowley, crossing his arms over his chest. Pepper was trying not to laugh from the doorway behind him. And you! I have been waiting a long time to give you this advice, Anthony, and I hope I only have to say this once. He looked at Crowley very seriously and put a hand on his shoulder. Crowley's face was very carefully blank around his sunglasses. Don't fuck this up. And with a pat that nearly buckled Crowley's knees, Paxton strode off down the corridor and into the pub, with Dog trotting after him, ball in his jaws. Crowley scowled and muttered something that sounded almost, but not quite, like what Paxton had said. I heard that, and we both know you won't, Paxton called. Before he could formulate a cutting remark on Paxton's age and hearing abilities, Crowley caught Alistair looking at him fondly, and suddenly it didn't matter anymore. Let's go home, love, Alistair said. Just like that. Like it was no big thing going home. Together. Bastard. Beautiful Beautiful bastard. Mercifully, Pepper put the radio on for the drive back up to London. Crowley wasn't sure he wouldn't say something completely stupid if he tried to talk now. But he seemed to be getting away with holding Alistair's hand as he looked out of the window. Thankfully, coming back into that house hadn't been as daunting as Crowley had expected. Nothing had really changed, and if it weren't for Tracy letting out an excited squeal and throwing herself at him for a hug that only bordered mildly on inappropriate, it would have felt like he'd never been away. Anathema gave him one of her funny looks before seeming to come to a decision and sticking out her hand. Newt begrudgingly did the same after the application of an elbow to his ribs, so Crowley switched to a fist bump just to see him get tangled up. Michael gave him a nod from the other side of the room, but it was Uriel who caught him out. She came over and offered her hand out to him, looking at him with none of the suspicion and disdain from before. Wasn't sure you had it in you, Crowley, but you actually did it. You jumped. He took her hand and shook it, and she didn't even try to squeeze too hard or anything. I misjudged you. Twice over. So, sorry for that. Welcome back. Crowley was so stunned he didn't even manage a sarcastic response. Later that evening, all sat around the dining room table with drinks in hand, Crowley was bombarded with stories of everything he'd missed out on in the last year. 
he nearly wore his voice out recounting the trials and tribulations of rebuilding the cottage whilst also correcting Alistair's version of what happened the previous day. He fucking dipped me, the sly bastard, and I'll have you know I fought it all the way. That's a lie, dearest, and you know it. There were eyewitnesses. Yeah, but they're on my payroll, Angel, so they'll say what I want them to say. Eventually, though, Crowley had to call it a night. Out of the dining room, he headed for the door to the basement on pure muscle memory, his legs carrying him as his mind drifted in preparation for sleep. It was only Alistair's hand catching his that startled him back to attention. Huh? No, love, not anymore. You go this way now, Alistair said, tugging him gently towards the stairs and up to the master suite. Crowley was so drained he just allowed himself to be led upstairs without too much thought. Evening ablutions completed, he was so tired he briefly contemplated sleeping in his trousers rather than fighting them off. It was only Alistair tutting and reaching over to help that swayed his decision. Clothes removed and flung onto the floor, Crowley sank into the mattress and was asleep almost instantly, one arm flung over Alistair. The following morning, after the best night's sleep he'd had in ages, Alistair woke up, rolled over and let out a little yelp of surprise. Good God, Crowley, what are you doing? That's rather creepy, you know. Crowley was laying on his side in the bed, facing Alistair, his eyes wide and staring. Not gazing lovingly, or even looking at him with intent, although both would be welcomed, he was just staring. Oh, my love, you've thought yourself into a tangle, haven't you? Alistair said softly, smiling at him. Crowley just nodded, a tiny jerk of his head as he continued to stare, unblinking. Wanted this for so long, he started. Fast only worked if you kept going. And you don't know what to do now you've got it, Alistair finished. Crowley nodded again. Alistair rolled onto his back and looked up at the ceiling. Yes, it does all suddenly feel very real, doesn't it? Although I must say I hadn't imagined waking up next to you would involve being stared at in quite that manner. <laughs> he chuckled. You... Crowley started before trailing off again. Of course I did, you buffoon. Crowley, this bed never felt too big or too empty until I returned to it after sharing yours. Now you're finally in it, will you please come here and give that wonderful brain of yours a rest? 
I know it's a lot all at once, but we'll just figure it out as we go along. Together. Crowley shuffled over and tucked his head lightly into Alistair's shoulder. Alistair tutted, wrapping his arms around Crowley and drew him into a kiss that left no room for doubt. One day at a time, my love, Alistair said. Unfortunately, Alistair did have some interviews to do that afternoon. The reporters were coming to the house, so Crowley decided to get out of the way while they were there. Gonna... Gonna go back and check on my plants for a bit. That okay? He asked Alistair as they stood in the kitchen, tidying away the remnants of lunch. Of course, love. I'll be busy for the next few hours at least. You don't have to ask permission, Crowley. You can come and go as you please. Speaking of which... Alistair bustled off to the utility room, came back and pressed something into Crowley's hand. Crowley looked down at the key in his palm in open-mouthed surprise. Really? Are you sure? he asked, looking back up to Alistair. Alistair gave him a look. It was the fond exasperation one that Crowley particularly liked. Dearest, I know this is fast again, Alistair said. But frankly, I can't see any point in you not having a key. I am well aware that you are fully capable of entering this house with or without it, but it will arouse less suspicion from the neighbours this way. So, regardless of whether you choose to use it or not... Alistair gave him a knowing look, and Crowley wondered... Not for the first time, if Alistair could read his mind, because how else could he know he had immediately decided to experiment with keyless entry? It's yours. I don't ever want you thinking you're not welcome here ever again. Crowley felt strung out on the tension of all this serious emotion. Something had to give. I give it a week, two tops, before you take this back, he said with a sly grin. Then you have grossly underestimated me, dear boy, and I look forward to proving you wrong, Alistair retorted. Now, while I know I said you were free to come and go as you please, I would advise you be back for tea, otherwise Tracy will send Pepper after you. I have a suspicion that she is going to mother-hen you for a bit, so be prepared. Crowley put his head in his free hand. He wasn't used to people wanting him around like this. He was well and truly out of his depth, and it was scary, but sort of wonderful at the same time. Don't fuck this up, Paxton's voice repeated inside his head. Duly noted, Angel, he said, giving Alistair a kiss on the cheek before heading for the door. Ciao. Arrivederci, darling. (laughs) 
one month later. Alistair and Pepper finally arrived at the pub and walked in to find Crowley and Paxton giggling in the corner, the rest of the pub filling up around them. What have you done now? Alistair asked over Crowley's shoulder, and Crowley nearly fell off his bar stool. What the hell, Paxton? Couldn't you warn me? He grumbled. Why on earth would I do that? Hello, Alistair. Hi, Pepper. Paxton smiled at them both as he drifted off towards the other end of the bar. Pepper followed. Show me. Alistair said, coming around to stand in front of him and holding out his hand. Crowley tucked his phone close to his chest and glared. Fine, tell me then. Before you go all moral high ground on me, Angel, this was not my idea, okay? Crowley said, and Alistair just looked at him. He'd discovered just how useful silences could be when Crowley felt he needed to fill them. So, I found out which prison old Gabe is in, and it turns out I know one of the guards there from... Actually, you don't want to know where from. More silence, but with slightly raised eyebrows. And he's been keeping me updated with how the Wangstain is getting on. Can we just say he's not getting the treatment he thinks he deserves and leave it at that? Alistair sat down on the stool next to him and gave him a stern look. Crowley, you're not paying someone to harass him, are you? He hissed. No, I'm not stupid enough to do anything so traceable. Come on, Angel. Crowley was mildly offended. Not only would he have made sure it wasn't traceable, but he'd have gone a damn sight further than just harassment for the duration of Gabriel's 30-year life sentence. Well, good. It would be a frightful waste of money, seeing as they're doing it for free. Oh, thank you, Paxton, Alistair said, as Paxton placed a gin and tonic down in front of him. Wait, what? Crowley spluttered into his pint. I was thanking Paxton here for the drink, Crowley. Basic manners, as I'm sure you'd know if you ever bothered with them. No, no, back up. What do you mean they're harassing Gabriel for free? Crowley saw Paxton's movement slow as he listened. I mean, dearest, that there is very little to do in prison, so the library is well used and, frankly, a little tired. I had some spare books that I thought they might enjoy, and it turns out quite a few of the inmates are fans. I may have arranged for some signed copies to work their way in amongst the wider donation with the help of a very polite young guard by the name of Stanley, and once the inmates worked out who Gabriel was, and what with his already sterling reputation thanks to his unparalleled social skills, well, I'm rather afraid they took some remarkable initiative. Stanley will ensure it doesn't get too out of hand. We wouldn't want Gabriel to miss his new friend if he had to be placed in isolation now, 
what we? Alistair's eyes were doing that crinkly thing again, and Crowley was vaguely aware of Paxton's shoulders moving in a way that looked suspiciously like laughter. You, you are the bastard, that's brilliant! I've been trying to work out how to get to him for weeks. How did you get hold of one of the guards? Crowley asked, and oh, he thought he'd never love Alistair more than he already did, but he was being proved wrong yet again. Oh, you know, I live in Soho, I hear things. I hear that prisons are very interested in improving the literacy rates amongst their inmates, for example. A request came in from Mr. Narker and... Narker? Crowley nearly leapt off the barstool again. His first name is Stanley? Shit, Angel, how did you get Spike to tell you his real name? I don't even think his girlfriend knows. Oh, but I'm going to rip him to shreds for that. He's been keeping me updated and hasn't mentioned you once, the sneaky fucker. Crowley turned to his phone. I'll give him fucking Stanley, he muttered angrily, only stopping his composure of a torrent of text-based chastising when a neatly manicured hand was placed over it, obscuring it from view. You shall do no such thing. Stanley has been nothing but polite and helpful, and I will not have you berate him for it. Crowley looked at Alistair with his best begging eyes. He even took the sunglasses off so Alistair could see them. Alistair relented. He always did. Oh, all right. A bit of light teasing won't hurt. I suppose you may drop a Stanley or two into conversation. He's never mentioned you, although he must know we're together, so I suppose he deserves some retribution for that, at least. Go easy on him, dearest. He may still prove useful. Just then, Pepper burst out laughing from the other end of the bar, and Crowley looked up to see her looking his way as she gasped for breath. Paxton was next to her, looking entirely too innocent as he wiped down a glass. Crowley groaned aloud. Ugh, Paxton! What lies have you told her this time? He yelled across the bar. Pepper burst into laughter again. <laughs> that you're perfectly capable of handling excessive horsepower as long as it doesn't involve actual horses. <laughs> she gasped out around her laughter. Paxton, you git! You swore you'd never tell anyone about that incident! Crowley yelled. But he knew it was pointless to actually get mad. It had been terrifying at first to have all his history laid out like this, far more than some of the things blanked out in his records. But he'd learned it didn't seem to matter how many embarrassing stories Paxton divulged, Pepper never treated him any differently. 
and Alastair may have rolled his eyes a few times, but he still kissed him like he was something precious. It was weird, being known like this and still being accepted. It made him feel like he belonged, like he wasn't quite so worthless after all. A few days later, after a very pleasurable lion that almost required another sleep to recover from, Alistair insisted on Crowley keeping his eyes shut as they came downstairs in search for breakfast. You want me to walk down three flights of stairs with my eyes shut? Crowley said, very unsure. If you're going to complain, then I could carry you. Alistair offered. Only if you're going to carry me right back into that bed. You know what it does to me when you do that. Alistair just grinned. Okay, I'll carry you back up later. But for now, eyes shut. Understood? I'll guide you. They made it to the bottom without any incidents, and Alistair insisted on putting his hands over Crowley's eyes as he led him to the kitchen. Crowley could hear that there were people in there trying to be very quiet. He didn't like this one little bit, but he trusted Alistair, and if it made his angel happy, he would go along with whatever this ridiculousness was. Then Alistair pulled his hands away and Crowley opened his eyes just in time to see Pepper, Tracy and Anathema all yell Happy Birthday at the tops of their voices from either side of the kitchen island. Michael, Newt and Uriel were stood behind it and on top, on top of the island was a cake, a birthday cake. Dark blue and mirror glazed, with white speckles so it looked like the night sky. They'd even put a candle on it, which Tracy was now lighting. They all looked so pleased with themselves, and Crowley turned to find Alistair beaming at him as well. Nope, can't do this, not in front of Pepper. I'm going to fucking kill Paxton, Crowley hissed as he turned on his heels and stormed out of the kitchen. He got as far as the hallway before the momentum ran out. Alistair came around to stand in front of him and Crowley tried to dry his face on his sleeve. He couldn't drag his gaze up from the floor. Oh, darling... Oh, I'm so sorry. Are those sad tears? Alistair asked gently, bringing a hand up to wipe the moisture on Crowley's cheek with his thumb. Crowley shook his head, a small jerky movement, barely there if you weren't looking. Sweetheart, did you honestly think we would just let your birthday go by unnoticed? Alistair asked, getting a small shrug in return. 
Alistair stepped over to the hall table, returning with Crowley's sunglasses. Crowley put them on and immediately stood straighter. There now, do you want to try again? Because I, for one, was rather looking forward to cake for breakfast and we can't cut it until you blow out the candle and make your wish, Alistair said. Should have known you'd use any old excuse to eat cake at silly times of day, Crowley teased, giving Alistair a smile that was only slightly wobbly. I find one never needs an excuse for cake, Alistair grinned back. He put out his hand and Crowley took it, allowing himself to be led back into the kitchen. Crowley blew out his candle and made his wish. They all had cake for breakfast and Crowley had to turn the noise he made when they brought out presents into a coughing sort of laugh. What did you wish for? Alistair whispered later when they were tucked up in bed again, Crowley wrapped around Alistair in a relaxed, boozy haze. That I'll get to keep you all, Crowley mumbled, half asleep. And that Pepper didn't see me cry over a cake. And what could Alistair do after that but hold him tightly and stroke his hair until he fell asleep? Six months later... Not long after Crowley's birthday, Michael surprised Alistair by handing in her notice. She'd already lined up someone that she thought he would get on with, though, and Harriet turned out to be a perfect fit. She balanced charm and charisma with a sharp wit, and Crowley took to her instantly. She recognized his wild imagination and welcomed the late-night emails that always started with What if? Uriel had also decided that it was time to move on to another assignment as it was clear she was no longer needed. With Alistair's glowing reference and Crowley's contacts, they ensured she would have success wherever she chose to go. She found her niche in the fashion world, providing security backstage for the models at shows and photoshoots. The house build had been ramping up in the face of an impending British winter, and the last phase went surprisingly fast. The combination of Crowley's yells and glares tag-teamed perfectly with Alistair's unyielding reasonableness and pointed silences to spur the workforce on, so now Crowley and Alistair stood in the newly graveled driveway in the cold November drizzle, arms wrapped around each other and looking up at a finished house. Crowley still had to organize getting most of the furniture and his plants down from Mayfair. The desk alone was going to need a specialist lorry, but the building and decorating was done. It was nearly a home. 
Alistair had travelled back and forth from London over the last few months and they'd got a mattress which they'd put on the floor in the master bedroom as a temporary measure until Crowley's very expensive bed could be shipped. Crowley still ended up at the pub most nights when Alistair was in London and occasionally even slept there when he was too tired to stumble back to the house in the dark, but now... Well, Crowley looked over at Alistair with a mischievous grin on his face and before Alistair could get further than opening his mouth to ask what daft idea he'd got into his head this time, Crowley swept him up into his arms and carried him across the threshold. Alistair yelped, then wrapped his arms around Crowley's neck as he was carried into the entrance hall. Crowley set him gently down just inside as they took their coats off, laughing, and Alistair dragged him in for a kiss. <laughs> Good Lord Crowley! Well, I suppose after that, the next step is the christening, he said as he pulled away. Crowley stopped and looked at him slightly confused and mildly panicky. Christening? he said, his voice only slightly higher pitched than normal, and Alistair took in his unshielded gaze, a sight he was treated to more often now that Crowley had stopped wearing his blasted sunglasses so much. Mm-hmm, Alistair said, his hand sliding around Crowley's waist as his gaze slid upwards to roughly where the mattress was upstairs. Thought we might let the trouser snake out for a bit, now everyone's left, he said, squeezing Crowley's hip slightly. Trou- uh, Who taught- uh, You mean my tattoo, don't you? Crowley said with a groan. Why, of course, dear. Whatever else could I be referring to? Alistair said, feigning innocence and being wholeheartedly betrayed by the expression on his face. Crowley grunted, then gently walked Alistair backwards into the wall. Crowley leaned in, trapping Alistair, his face tantalizingly close to his neck. His breath was teasing the sensitive skin there as he spoke, low and menacing. You've got five minutes to get somewhere more comfortable, Angel, before I release the beast. Because as tempting as it is to ravish you right here on the stairs... Crowley paused as a shudder of arousal went through him at the thought of that. You're going to want a soft surface for what I have in mind. He nibbled lightly on Alistair's ear as he untied the uniformly tartan bow tie before drawing back, his lips lightly grazing Alistair's cheekbone as he went past. Crowley took in the pink flush growing on Alistair's face, the wide-blown pupils, then he stepped back to lean on the wall opposite him, ankles and arms folded. He watched Alistair, intent dark in his eyes and a predatory smirk on his face. 
Alistair forgot how his knees worked. Shit, he breathed. Crowley glanced down at his rather complicated watch. Four and a half minutes now, he said with a low rumble. Alistair gulped, cleared his throat and pulled himself together. He looked squarely at Crowley before removing his jacket, holding it up to show him and dropping it, crumbled on the floor. No waistcoat today, so the suspenders were on full display. Alistair raised one eyebrow in challenge, then turned toward the stairs. Crowley watched him, unblinking, utterly transfixed. He paused at the bottom step, pulled the bow tie out from under his collar and glanced back as he hung it over the end of the banister. Crowley was still watching him intently, but the smirk had now fallen off of his face and landed on Alistair's. Crowley watched as Alistair slowly climbed up the stairs, slipping one side of the suspenders off to hang from his elbow and unbuttoning his shirt. How long now? he called from the top step. Three minutes, Crowley croaked. Well, don't be too long, dearest, else I shall have to get started without you. Crowley cursed his stupid tight trousers, wondering when he was ever going to learn and deciding never sounded about right. At one minute to go, he was caving. Well, he'd said five minutes until he released the beast, so... Sod it, he muttered and headed up the stairs as fast as his protesting anatomy would allow to follow the trail of wantonly abandoned clothing. He got to the bedroom door, pushed it open, and entered with his most wiggly saunter. Time's up, he said to an empty mattress. Wahoo! came a very smug murmur as Alistair grabbed him from behind, pushing him off balance until they hit the wall on the other side of the room. Crowley nearly flipped him, but he'd managed to get a handle on his instincts where Alistair was concerned these days. A mixture of expecting the unexpected all the time and plenty of reward when he managed not to react with reflexive violence. You know, my dear... I hear they call this one the bodyguard, Alistair said as he pinned Crowley to the newly painted plaster, kissing the back of his neck. How do you feel about a little role reversal? Crowley gave up. He never won this game. Didn't exactly lose it either, though. Darling... Alistair asked later as they were curled up on the mattress in a very cosy post-coital tangle. Do you think we can get everything down here in time for Christmas? It would be lovely to celebrate it here, don't you think? No. No, he had not. 
Crowley hadn't thought about Christmas at all. But he was about to. Yeah, don't see why not.